Today's podcast delivered by Australia Post. They put everything behind your business. And with My Post Business, you can save at least 10% when sending on average five eligible parcels a week. Get more info and see the terms and conditions at auspost.com.au slash podcast. That's auspost.com.au slash podcast. Now, time for the show. listening to the Devils and Details podcast from Business Insider Australia. I'm Paul Colgan, and I'm here as always with David Scott. Pleasure to be back, Colgo. Uh, and our guest this week, back on the show, a regular now on the Devils and Details podcast, is James Whelan, uh, Investment Manager at VFS Group. Uh, James, great to have you back. Always great to be here, Paul. Thank you so much. Guys, we live in a world where North Korea can launch a missile over Japanese airspace. Hint that this is a practice run for some kind of attack on Guam, uh, and markets pull back maybe around 1% uh you know at the at the bottom end globally but then come back what is going on have you read the uh, fairy tale of boy who cried wolf i have if you uh if you see it enough times uh and nothing changes then all of a sudden uh, you get this uh, complacency that comes and creeps in uh that's uh oh it's not going to be an escalation this time it's just going to be more of the same and that's exactly what we saw earlier this week. It was another missile. It was a very provocative act, um, you know, flying a missile across someone's uh, airspace and then splashing down the, uh, the other side of the uh, country. Is, uh, very, very uh, concerning. But it's just uh, a continuation of a pattern we've seen with North Korea for years and years and years where they've done these sort of things. The markets have a short-term blip and then go and rebound. And we're just finding the more this happens, the quicker the rebound occurs. There's been some extraordinary um, details coming out from North Korea because South Korea's intelligence services briefed the parliament on Monday. Uh, and one of the things that they said was that uh, Kim, they believe Kim Jong-un had a baby boy. Yeah, uh, congratulations back, to him as well. Yeah, <laughs> uh, baby Kim. And the, the interesting question that's there is, we know he's got three kids now, we believe, and we know one of them is a girl, thanks to Dennis Rodman, of all people. Uh, but uh, where's he uh, now that we need him more than ever? Yeah, I know. Yeah, we need Dennis to go back in and spy <laughs> on behalf of Western civilization. So, what's the second one? Uh, uh, and we, this is the thing: we don't know. Um, so, um, we don't know if Kim has an heir. I love this. Has a male heir. Um, but then the other thing that the uh, South Korean intelligence services said. Now, bear in mind, this is South Korea's intelligence services, and they are in a sort of long-standing phony war um, against North Korea. But they believe that North Korea is getting ready for another nuclear test. Okay. Right. So we're looking at that missiles what? that can reach um, the sort of closest parts of the United States. Uh, we're looking at missiles that can hit Guam. They're flying uh, missiles through Japanese airspace. And they may be about to conduct a, another missile test. And meanwhile, you know, your risk assets around the world are kind of mosing along. It's fascinating. You, you mentioned all that, and we've had this conversation, and we haven't talked about tax reform once in the USA, because that's all the people are really caring about at the moment. That, uh, you could have, you could, you could fire all the nuclear weapons off the, the, that you want. Um, people just want to know that there's stability in the Trump administration, and that uh, and that Gary Cohn is going to be able to uh, to bring in the reforms that, that, that everyone wants. It just that, you know. Like yeah, no, it is. It's an extraordinary situation. And, and uh, Dave, the US dollar this week um, has regained a little bit of life now that Trump is finally talking uh, to James's point about tax reform. Yes, it's uh, every time you hear that uh, tax reform gets mentioned, there's uh, generally a bit of a flutter in the US dollar. And it's also been benefiting uh, recently because uh, the market is now short the US dollar. So and collectively as a whole, the market is uh, is uh, looking for further weakness in the US, uh, US dollar. Um, and we've also had a Bit of uh, economic data as well, which has started to go and creep through. Last night we saw GDP was growing at a, a two-year high in the uh, the June quarter. Three percent, three percent. Yes, uh, ADP, uh, no private sector employment report uh, yep. was a, was another big beat. The fifth, uh, the, the highest reading in five months. So everything looks very, very strong in the U.S. economy. So you put those factors of being uh, markets short. The U.S. dollar is uh, is being shellacked this year, down about ten percent, and uh, no, the data starting to go and, and improve. It does uh, sort of uh, give you a bit of an impression that there's a risk that there may be a reversal in the U.S. dollar coming sometime soon. As to how much that uh, occurs, as James rightly pointed out, would come down to what happens in the political uh, political front when tax reform. James, how do you read Trump's agenda at the moment and how he's prosecuting it? Uh, it's all about my mate Gary, um, his chief financial advisor, uh, uh, chief economic advisor. The, the, it, as long as he stays there, 
and things don't get colossally out of hand. Um, if the focus stays on on Cohn being able to bring in the reforms that, that, that he wants to do, Trump not doing anything too ludicrous, and if the rest of the media could pay attention on Melania Trump's shoes, uh, then th- everything will be okay. Mm. That, that's uh, uh, you, you know what I'm referring to, don't you? Like, she's walking through walking through hurricane-stricken Houston in uh, in, a, in a pair of six-inch heels. That seemed to be where the focus was. I'm great with that. Good. That's fantastic. As long as the economic reform can keep on going through in the background, the Republicans have the have the majority. The Republicans can do what they want to what they want to do. Trump doesn't blow anything up, literally and metaphorically at the same time. Uh, yeah, everything's everything's going to be great. And I think that yes, the, the the US dollar probably will respond off that one as well, David. But that's probably a bit more your your scene with regards to with regards to which cross it's, it's against. The only problem with the US dollar against our own is that ours just you just can't keep it down. Not that. Not that that's the conversation that we want to go into, but but what do you have to do to get this Aussie dollar well, down? Maybe we'll maybe we will go into it. Um, <laughs> d- you know, uh, uh, Dave, outlook for the US dollar. I think CBA uh, has actually uh, incre- lifted its forecast now to eighty five cents. Is that right? Yeah, so Aussie US eighty five cents by the end of next year. So that's an upgrade of uh, I think five cents on what they previously had uh, penciled in. So a lot of their call is based around further US dollar weakness and the inability of the uh, Trump administration to get through tax reforms. Um, also, you know, a global uh, cyclical upswing in the economy, uh, which is set to strengthen uh, and still reasonable uh, you know, strength in commodity prices will all feed into that, uh, that assessment. I must say, though, it's, uh, it is at the extreme sort of bullish end of expectations. And the, the median uh, you know, forecast at the moment for about June next year sits around 76 cents. And there's lots of calls where people are seeing it still going down to 70 cents and below uh, next year. So wide, uh, wide ranging views. And obviously, a lot of that comes down to uncertainty as to uh, not only what's going on with North Korea, but also what's going on with, uh, with U.S. tax. Uh, okay, we've got a lot to get through. Um, I think one of the things definitely we'll we'll look at the the Australian uh, economic outlook. We're starting to get the uh, first indicators, first partials um, for for GDP. Uh, we had capex, so we're going to look at that, um, and we might look at uh, the outlook for the rest of the year. Of course, uh, consumers so uh, vitally important uh, to the overall GDP outlook, with the consumption being just under sixty percent of the entire uh, economy. So we're going to talk about um, some of the big changes that are going on, some of the big forces that are in there. Like we're going to look at obviously um, the retail sector, uh, the city. Um, and uh, the Oxford Martin program uh, had a really, imp- a really interesting uh, bit of research out this week talking about the sort of global destruction of retail jobs. Um, but then we have, you know, um, this question that for us locally uh, here in Australia, which will be the impact of Amazon. And I know Amazon is an absolute favourite topic of James's. Uh, it's also a favourite topic of mine. Uh, and we're going to um, get into uh, that a bit too. Um, and we'll look at, uh, through the course of that um, a little bit about the broader reporting season and what companies are doing on dividends and investing for the future. Uh, if we get time, we might talk a little bit about the cricket because um, let's just put the rugby behind us, shall we? Um, and um, <laughs> Like the rugby team, it can only get better. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, um, so CapEx, uh, Dave. Um, uh, Finally, we've been talking about these animal spirits being uh, missing from the economy. Uh, it's about this is about businesses being willing to uh, uh, back themselves, um, sink some money into some big investments that they think uh, will be help them contribute um, contribute to the top line uh, eventually, uh, and help them uh, become profitable into the future. And we uh, saw some uh, reasonably reassuring data this week, didn't we? We did. It, uh, it harks back to my days of trading around the CapEx release. Uh, it used to be uh, back in the, uh, the mining sector days uh, when it was uh, all, all, all hands on deck, uh, building everything uh, from the Caratha to, uh, to southeast Queensland and whatnot. Um, data today, like then, is, uh, was, was very, uh, no, very pleasing. And uh, it was actually a pleasure to go and write about it. You know, Sometimes there was unilaterally strong across the board. Uh, we saw like a, a good uh, solid lift uh, in, in spending during the, uh, the June quarter. Uh, including on uh, machinery and, uh, and equipment, which goes feeds directly into our Q2 GDP next so that week. That was not 0.2% growth 
expected versus 0.8% was the actual result. Hey. Correct. So there was a, no, that was a very, uh, no, it wasn't, it wasn't shooting the lights out by any stretch, but it was a, like a solid result. But more importantly, the expectations of where spending is going to go in the year ahead was markedly upgraded uh, from where it was in the past. No, we're over 100 uh, million. Yes, it's, uh, it's below what it was in previous years, but that's entirely reflective of what's going on with the, uh, the mining sector and the, uh, the unwind of the uh, infrastructure boom there. More importantly, we had services and manufacturing sectors both have substantial upgrades to what they're expecting to spend uh, in this current financial year, which is a great sign, as you said, not only for uh, you know, helping to go and grow uh, top-line revenues in the future and whatnot, but also the broader Australian economy. You know, they're building things to go and expand. It means employment, means uh, you know, economic growth. So uh, it was a very, very strong result. And always important to remember with CapEx that it doesn't include – uh, possibly some of the most important uh, parts of the economy at the moment, right? Yes, correct. So education, uh, healthcare, agriculture, all those things aren't included. It counts for around about 60% of, uh, of total business spend. So, uh, no, but the more, most important thing is that the services sector has been something that uh, the RBA and a lot of private sector economists have been waiting to go and show signs of you know, that rebalancing starting to strengthen. We saw earlier this year business confidence started to lift in the NAB survey. We saw the AI group, uh, PMIs, the PSIs, the PCIs, all start going and, and ticking high and becoming very, very high in recent months. And then finally, it looks like we've got some indication that that confidence and that uh, conditions that they're operating at the moment is now encouraging them to invest. Uh, and just before uh, we move on from this, so the rest of the partials are coming up. What will you be looking out for? Uh, net exports, uh, particularly what happened uh, with the, the coal uh, disruptions from uh, Cyclone. Uh, what was the Cyclone? Remember the Cyclone's name uh, in March and, uh, and April? We had Debbie. Debbie, that would be it. Yeah, Debbie does. Three points. Three points. There we go. Uh, so that'll be, uh, be a key one. Uh, also, uh, business inventories, uh, company profits from an income perspective. Uh, will be very key as well to go and see where the potentially boost in, in corporate revenues might start eventually flowing through to the household sector, which is, uh, as we've all been talking about for a while now, is the most important part of the Australian economy uh, when it comes to the outlook for interest rates, economic growth in the years ahead. So, James, uh, what's your take on where, where we're up to and, and how the economy's been performing? Uh, this uh, doesn't exactly suit my narrative. The uh, the, the capex increases. I've been, I've been a bit of a doom and gloom uh, monkey for a while, and I'm happy to I'm happy to eat my hat and just say something has happened. There there appears to actually be. Uh, and 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 David, just sort of help me out with uh, getting this right. There was a, a sort of a positive uh, sentiment with businesses about the outlook of the of for, for the economy, but the consumer. Um, sentiment was actually quite negative, wasn't it? There was this weird sort of two-speed thing going on. Correct, um, yep. And uh, All-time, all uh, well, post-TFC highs for business conditions and confidence. Yep, that's it. And, uh, in fact, the last couple of weeks we've seen some pretty uh, awful data uh, on the consumer confidence side, on the consumer um, side uh, being particularly weak. Uh, and this, again, like ticked up a little bit this week. Yep. But, um, but uh, again, you know, not shooting the lights out. But uh, business confidence for a long time has been very elevated and it's been hard to reconcile that with how the consumers... Sorry, the key difference is that businesses are seeing you know, strong revenue, strong operating conditions and that's encouraging them. No wonder like, no, they're, they're buoyant and uh, haven't been this excited about things since the, before the GFC. But as yet, there's not been much of that evident in household sector. They haven't seen that, that flow-on effect to them yet. Now, that takes time. Um, now, if things continue the way they're going at the moment, that will definitely start to go and transfer across to the household sector. We've already seen the uh, unemployment data recently has uh, been markedly improved for what we've seen in 2016. That's a good sign that hiring is starting to go and pick up. And then all of a sudden, if you start seeing incomes remain strong at companies, uh, the labour market tightens a little bit, you might start seeing a bit of wage increase. Uh, that will go and help to go and boost uh, uh, consumer sentiment. But it needs to go and stay for a considerable period of time for it to allow the time to go and transfer through. Um, that's the big question as to whether uh, that will go and eventuate. So wh what do you think about the consumer outlook then, uh, James? I mean, what, what feeds your, uh, your doom and gloom uh, take on everything? Well, the, uh, the, the consumer outlook that I had was, it was different from the, uh, from the business outlook. Now, if, if I went, first off, I went, I went loud and proud sort of grabbing onto the, onto the business outlook and business spending that was, um, that was pretty ordinary for a while, and I've always said that businesses know the industry that they're in and the, the, the economy that they're in better than anyone, and if they choose not to spend in those particular things and that's particular, there's a message there that they're saying. So now there's a 17.6% increase uh, in the estimate uh, uh, for uh, for spending. Um, 
which is uh, you know that's that's an incredible increase. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'm I'm going to have to continue with that and say the businesses know the industries that they're that they're working in. If they've got really ambitious expectations about what they're going to be spending, then that's fantastic. So yeah, the economy is great. With regards to the consumer, uh, a little bit different on that one for for myself. I think the consumer sentiment is is a lot to do with you know, wages um, and has a, you know I I can never get away from it. Does have a lot to do with the potential disruption in the um, in the the market that they see it. There's a lot of jobs in the companies that are going to be disrupted soon by the by the big Amazon elephant. Um, there's a lot of look, look, and we've gone through this list before. We've done it before. How many how many name the brands that have closed in Australia in the last twelve months? Mm. Where people have people have worked in this retail thing, selling shoes, selling jackets, selling women's blouses, selling. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think about what some of these things well, are. Well, Building just going cars. through, like, um, we, like looking at reporting, uh, companies reporting this week, Billabong, um, uh, its revenue down below a billion dollars um, for the first time in a long time. Um, uh, but the stock, their stock was up. But then Speciality Retail, which runs a whole lot of little boutique chains, uh, the stock was down 25% yeah. uh, because they um, missed by a mile. So, um, you know, and um, like if you add in, like go down, then go down through the casualty list. So uh, places like Herringbone, that's what I'm thinking. Rod yeah, and Gone, yep. Payless Shoes, yep. uh, Dick Smith Electronics. Yep. All of these guys just um, either going to the wall or going into some kind of administration or having to be bailed out or brought back by management or whatever so, it is. Um, it's pretty tough. People work in those places and people shop at those places and people see those and people see those things in the headlines. So with regards to how much a mining company is spending on what's ahead or how much a you know name one of these companies that's covered in the capex but how much how much they're they're thinking that they're going to be spending in the next 12 months or the next quarter. It's a lot different from the from the from the person who either worked at Payless Shoes or shopped at Payless Shoes, and now they can't get shoes for their kids because that's a place they're always going to for the return of school. They're going to think things are bad when that, when that shop is closed. They're going to think that things are bad when entire strips of malls are closed. And uh, you, you see the story out of the US of, you know, these entire shopping malls are just ghost towns now. Yeah, absolutely. That, and, people, and, people and, don't, and don't forget as well, the other, the other key factor is that uh, Australian households as an average are, are very indebted compared to uh, the, the peers around the world. And that's another factor as well when you go and put all those things in don't consideration. Even, don't even start. Uh, when, you ha- when you go and throw debt on top of the uh, equation, then obviously that makes people very risk averse. So it's, uh, it's something that's going to go and take a while for the household sector to go and, uh, and feel confident enough to go and return to those sort of heydays of, that we saw in you know, pre-GFC. Yeah, people see how much is in their offset account, and they see how much sort of starts to get eaten away potentially that's in there, and and they see that there's a, a potential for interest rates to rise, no matter what the RBA does, interest rates to rise, um, and that they see that their bank has already started to tweak the variable rates over the last over the last twelve months. So, yeah, that's where the, that's where the, that's where the big outgoing spend is on these things for people. So, look, I'm just going to have to spend more on my mortgage, and th- there's no way around it. So, yeah, I don't think that I'm going to be taking that holiday in. A few months' time, so yeah, I don't think that the economy is actually going so well. Yeah, or I'm not going to roll down and uh, get that eighty-dollar haircut that I used to get, or there you go. Um, you know, have uh, pizza on Thursdays uh, with the family, or you know, and and the list goes on and on and on. Correct. And uh, they may seem like small decisions in isolation, but you, when you roll it up across uh, millions of people, um, that's a, a pretty big drag on um, on a huge component of the economy. Yep. Um, okay, so uh, let's get into retail um, a little in a little bit more detail. Harvey Norman oh. results back today. Oh, one of my fa- one of my favorite companies in the whole world. <laughs> all time all time record profit. Yep, profit up twenty nine percent. Twenty nine percent. That's correct. Uh, what happened to the share price? Underlying net profit uh, was also up, excluding I'm just looking here, excluding revals and asset impairments. That was up fifteen point seven percent. Shot the lights out on everything that was there except cut the dividend uh, by five cents. Uh, their final dividend cut by five cents down to 12 cents a share. Um, the stock has been uh, obliterated uh, on this one. Now, last time I left, it was about off more than 7%, uh, uh, looking down, uh, uh, just sort of uh, not really finding a flaw uh, on that too. So it's just, just being beaten up. Um, that's, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of Harvey Norman. It's got these two things hanging over it now, uh, three things now hanging over it. First off is that it doesn't yield as much as it did, or, you know, that, that, that nice, that, that whatever dividend they had isn't so healthy. They've obviously got Amazon coming 
uh, and, and Amazon are coming for them. And then they've still got that big ASIC storm cloud that hangs over them just with regards to, to the way that they run their franchises and some of their accounting practices. And then, okay, add a fourth one on, it's one of the most shorted stocks in the market. Mm. It's... Do you know what the short interest is off the top of your head at the moment? Uh, if I was going to say it'd it's be about twenty, I think uh, it's a free float. I think it's about twenty percent. Yeah, on that. Uh, yep, that's right. It is about twenty percent of the free float, and it was only about three point seven percent in March. Um, so up to ten point one percent for the whole. Box I wonder, of I wonder if that uh, has something to do with the uh, Amazon effect and uh, all the publicity of the company that uh, that particular I'm, announcement. I'm happy to take a, a great deal of personal responsibility for the amount of stock that's been shorted in Harvey Dorman. I've got no problem with <laughs> <James>. that. <laughs> um, okay, so do you, um, so is is this you declaring that you do have a short position? Uh, I, I have some people who are interested in in benefiting from the short side. One of Amazon's sort of operating principles is that your margin is my opportunity, right? Um, so this is how Jeff Bezos thinks, looks around the world, sees wrapped up margins in particular industries, says, look, if I can take a bit of that by operating at scale um, and being, you know, instead of 200 um, uh, companies um, taking um, a certain margin, then what if one, ta- one company takes a tenth of that, uh, then all of a sudden that turns into a pretty reasonable um, uh, business proposition, right? Yeah. So this is what um, we're looking at doing now. So I think one of the really interesting things about Amazon is that I find it you know, difficult. I, I think it's difficult to pick a particular company and say this is the company that's going to get steamrolled. Uh, you know, company A or company B uh, is going to get run over here because if you look at Whole Foods, right, um, which they've just bought – uh, for almost 14 billion US dollars mm-hmm. and slashed prices um, uh, in, in the in the in the course of it um, so yeah we, we can get on to that we'll go through and, some of them soon yeah, just absolutely. look at the savings so but you would imagine that whole foods so some companies like whole foods like in australia so think about like your uh, harris farm right that's the one yeah um, so um, you know think well maybe they're uh, going to be in trouble as a result of amazon coming but Maybe they're the kind of company that Amazon either A, wants to team up with, uh, B, potentially even more uh, spectacularly wants to buy. Um, And, you know, so I think it's this whole thing of everybody's going to be ruined, uh, I think, is not the right way to look at it. Um, Everyone except one is going to be ruined. Everyone. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. no, no, go on. Go yeah, on. yeah. Um, so, um, look, um, I think it's a fascinating. Uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating area. Um, I, I've got a couple of things that I'll chime in with. But uh, James, do you want to let me know where, where your thinking's up to on this? Because I know you do quite a bit of work on on thinking about um, how Amazon is going to affect Australia when it rolls out. Well, the the, the bits and pieces that that I'll put together is something I, I put in my note, and I'm happy to rehash this one. The obvious, the image that I put on my note of the Amazon logo being put into um, meat by uh, by the staff of Whole Foods is uh, is I actually received more complaints about that than anything than any compliments in the note that it there was at all it's a, it's, a, it's a grotesque image but I'm sure that's the only reason why Jeff bought the company is so that he could do that anyone who wants it I'm sure that we'll be able to post it on the website later Whole Foods is actually known uh, quite jokingly as a whole paycheck because of just how much you, you have to spend to go in there so uh, Amazon has bought a company with with a very good distribution network and a very affluent client base that was actually running at about a thirty four percent gross profit margin as of as of last year. So it's a really good fat margin fat margin company with a very good affluent base, um, perfect for Amazon to go into. So um, Amazon, as you've mentioned, fantastic at being able to operate on tiny margins. Whole Foods had that had that uh, has that massive margin, um, and here's the other kicker. So there's another one that goes in there. Seventy percent of people. Uh, according to a survey that was done by a certain investment bank, uh, Morgan Stanley, last year, 70% of people who don't shop at Whole Foods list price as their main barrier for not doing so. Wow. So, so there's obviously some capacity there for, for, for why. That's, that's people, okay, why don't you shop there? Price. If it was lower, you'd shop there. That's it. It's good food. It's organic. It's healthy. Um, there seems to be a pretty pretty good places there. They've got shops in the, in the US and in, and in England as well. So Amazon is all about Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime is the is the sun uh, around which the Amazon solar system re- revolves. That's 
live uh, live video. It's your ordering system. It's your cloud uh, setup for your photos. Uh, it's uh, think about what else is there that's in the Amazon family. That's it's it's that it's that two day delivery, which is soon to be two hour delivery in some parts of the US if they can do that Amazon Prime now, yeah. which sort of tacks D- on discounted uh, rush delivery too. So you get the two day delivery, but you can also pay six bucks to get you know if you need that box of tea bags or whatever right away. Um, yeah. yeah, you and can you can also postpone. Well, anyway, we're not we're, we're doing the selling for Amazon, but you can postpone. You can you can get a credit if you don't need it in two days. And you credit it for, for later on too. It's quite an innovation. Um, there's nothing that's outside the realm of uh, possibility for the Amazon for the Amazon crew. Prime members, members of Prime, spend four point four point six times more money on Amazon than non Prime members. So it's all about getting people signed to Prime, which is why. Uh, people to you know Amazon uh, Video that's come out in Australia. So Amazon hasn't launched in Australia, but Amazon Video has has launched in Australia. So to get that video, you need a Prime subscription. It all sort of starts to make a bit more sense about what's going on in that in that space. The uh, so Amazon Prime is going to be the Whole Foods customer rewards program. They've already they've said that, and it is. So everyone who is a Whole Foods member. Uh, will receive rewards and, and, and they'll convert to Prime. So there's two things that, 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 that you can take from this. First off, they're going to increase their Prime membership immensely, which is great in the USA. And they're, they're cutting prices across the board because they're okay and they're very good at running on a slim margin, as you said. So they've got that 34% margin, uh, gross margin in Whole Foods, and they, can, and they can just start cutting that. And they have done. Just listen to some of these savings, Paul. Yeah. This is a, a he's got in front of him a, a list. Of, it's a story from Business Insider during the week. So what the guys did in New York was they went and shopped at Whole Foods on Friday. They knew Amazon was going to open it up on the Monday. They bought the same basket of goods uh, on the Friday and uh, uh, and then again on the Monday. And uh, wait till you hear the same credit things. And credit, credit to the Business Insider stalkers as well who have, who have managed to put this together. It's, it's some really good hard work that they've done here. They, they got a great menu list of things. I mean, it is My really... Uh, of of the moment, uh, the list of stuff. David, you're you're a millennial. How much would you pay for an organic uh, organic avocado? You'd pay last week. You would have paid six dollars ninety nine for four. How much do you think that you paid? Oh, that's not a change. Sorry. Okay. How about house? <laughs> wait, house avocados. It's house avocados. House yeah. avocados. That's it. You you paid. You were paying two dollars fifty each last week. It went down. Prices reduced on Monday to a dollar forty nine. A whole a whole a whole one dollar, absolutely slashed off the price of avocados. Now, for your average millennial. You know, another thirty or forty years of that sort of that sort of behaviour, you might be able to buy your own house. So, mm-hmm. the, uh, but it, it's across all sorts of things. So, you know, lettuce lettuce came off. There was up to I think it was up to thirty four percent, forty three percent on some products. Um, that that was that was absolutely just just taken off on the day. Yeah. Done straight across the board. Um, big signs advertising that, that that there's more sales, more savings to come. Uh, and you know, why wouldn't you? go and buy at a place where if you're one of the 70% of people who would have shopped at that place, the food is still the same, everything is still the same, then all of a sudden, okay, why don't we just walk in and get this and, and get some cheap groceries, eggs, It's bread. the price point. And, and much like in the United States, I think it will probably transfer across nicely in Australia, particularly when you look at what's going with wage growth, record lows, when you look at uh, average weekly earnings going backwards in real terms, uh, particularly for those who work in the, uh, the private sector. So um, anywhere we can go and uh, pinch a penny is going to go and, uh, and do well. So that's probably why there's so much concern as to what the effect Amazon might have in the local market. And, you know, um, this is one of the things... I reckon is is really interesting is that um, I, I read some detail um, from a survey that was done by CBA earlier this year um, of retailers, 500 retailers, um, and they um, uh, there was a staggering proportion um, uh, who believed that um, the uh, I think 30 percent uh, of the people in the survey were unaware that Amazon was coming. Mm. Uh, yep, that's and, correct. And only a, a similar percentage, I think, had any kind of plan. Only 14, 14% had any sort of plan mm. to, deal with, to, to deal with the response. So let me spell out a couple of things that uh, try and, I think, paint a picture of the scale of uh, this company and what it's capable of doing. First thing that I love rolling out this little stat, um, which is, that um, its shipping business 
uh, runs globally at a loss. Uh, now, this is the delivery, right? Yep. Um, yep. Just moving stuff around. Yep. Shipping business runs globally at a loss of 9 billion Australian dollars, 7.2 billion uh, US dollars. So the little payments, those little five, six dollars that you get to, um, you know, they, they run up to a couple of billion dollars um, in revenue for them, but then they invest and run at a loss the rest of that operation globally at over $7 billion. Now, that is an enormous, so for comparison, Woolworths, uh, Woolworths has had a spectacular year. Um, really good performance by the company, I think, across the board. They've uh, increased margins. They've uh, got the business a bit more lean and mean. Um, and uh, their entire profit for the year is around about a billion dollars, right, on something like the order of $55 billion in revenue. Um, so, you know, Amazon runs its shipping business at nine times the entire profit of Woolworths globally. Um, the other story that I love, um, and it, again, this is a uh, story with mixed signals, I think. I think there's a lot of hope for some companies in here, but there's also um, a lot to be uh, pretty scared of. Um, Sears, the department store, uh, it has popular electronics line, uh, toasters, kettles, etc. And I think I've talked about this before on the, on the podcast, but because uh, this happened a couple of weeks ago, and it's extraordinary. So obviously, this whole disruption, digital disruption broadly, of which Amazon is part, has played um, some role in this decline in Sears um, over the last decade. They're shutting stores. Um, you know, they're going to get rid of another few hundred this year. I mean, it is a big, big change that they're going through. But they have these um, kettles and toasters that people really like. And um, so what they've done is they've capitulated and they've said, hey, look, um, I will let you um, sell uh, our kettles and toasters through Amazon. This came out after the close of trade on Wall Street, and the stock went up 20%. Yep. Um, because they know people like the toasters, and now they're going to sell lots and lots and lots of them because – um, uh, they'll be able to sell it through yeah, this gateway. You, you, you couldn't beat them. You didn't even try. You couldn't even try. So you're going to join them as best you can, and, and we'll reward you for that. Yeah, and, yeah. and what, for, for me, one of the things it says about Australia is if you've got a product that people like, being able to distribute it through Amazon is, Amazon is a vast opportunity for you. Um, it is uh, something that, you know, you, you could become very wealthy um, if you've got something uh, that you can, you know... Um, that you that you, you you people really love um, that's popular and um, that you can distribute through Amazon. It's it's not all doom and gloom. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and then at the same time, there's going to be a lot of businesses uh, like the um, thirty percent of retailers who start wondering, hey, where's my cash flow um, after let Amazon? Let me just go online because... and find out. Oh my goodness! Look at this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the uh, maybe you know. A, a cheeky, a cheeky investment team would put together a, a basket of small companies that might be able to benefit from some sort of Amazon. It's not all just about shorting those stocks. Oh, yeah. It's, a, you know, it's uh, there are a lot of benefits in that. And if you can try and preempt it, just a, just a basket, and you just pick twenty stocks, it might, you know, they don't even have to be listed, but just twenty stocks or companies that that might actually get a go at uh, at at an Amazon run. Hmm. Uh, yeah, they could they could definitely do quite well. You can go and remove things like the supply chain, uh, the distribution channels could be. Uh, could, you know, there's so many opportunities there. You, know? you think about manufacturers, uh, they could just go and skip uh, wholesalers and just go straight to Amazon and say, like, you know, uh, how's in the warehouse? No, here's on the site. And uh, open yourself up to a whole lot of uh, no, customers that you uh, would never have ever reached otherwise because you've got the network that Amazon offers us. So, as you guys rightly point out, uh, it's certainly not all doom and gloom. What I also think is interesting is that the sophistication of the logistics exercise that Amazon is running uh, is only in its infancy. They are going to spend a lot of time and effort building up the logistics, um, the intelligence. So they'll use a whole bunch of AI, uh, A, to predict what you're going to want and when you're going to want it. Mm. Um, so they'll be able to control uh, in a more sophisticated way um, their own purchasing uh, orders, how they manage the warehouses, um, use their uh, available land uh, for uh, to maximum effect. And they'll just have all this stuff running across 
all of their product line uh, around the world at 24 7 and it like the, how this is going to play out and this is all, they're only getting started with this um, they'll increase the amount of automation that there is uh, in um, the throughout the actual physical movement of goods along the supply chain mm-hmm. so whether that's through down the track driverless cars I'm a bit of I think that's still a long way away um, but certainly within warehouses lots and lots of robots moving things around um, which um, you know, you don't have to pay. Um, so you can have these vast warehouses that uh, have um, minimal amounts of staff um, uh, w- that are m- where the floor space is managed very, very intelligently. Um, so there's those little things. And there are other things, I'm sure, that they are thinking of that nobody else is um, because they have been so laser focused on this uh, for um, such a long time now. Yep. Um, I think it's, a, you know, it's an extraordinary prospect. How do you fight it? Maybe by investing uh, in some technology, maybe by investing uh, uh, in some innovation of your own. Uh, and this is now, uh, amazingly, uh, you know, it's starting to become a bit of a talking point uh, in, um, in Australian listed companies, isn't it? Did you just segue? I did. Oh. Very nicely into a reporting season. How about, oh, goodness. Okay. No, we can talk uh, about it, dividends and... Next. I, uh, reporting season exhausts me no end on this on this uh, sort of thing. Well, I could be in here saying something about a company and the way that they reported, and by the time we walk out, the entire thing has spun around the, the, the other direction. What did you want to talk about specifically, Paul, on the, uh, on the technology and the investment or... So, um, look, uh, Telstra. Let's start there. Let's start there. Okay, let, 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 Little bits and pieces on the dividend. We mentioned it before with Harvey Norman uh, cutting its dividend. A couple of weeks ago, Telstra also cut their dividend. Last year, ANZ cut their dividend too. Now, Telstra was punished. Today, Harvey Norman is getting punished. Last year, when ANZ did it, they were actually rewarded um, very favourably. It had a lot to do with apples and oranges a little bit too, but uh, just on them getting rid of their uh, Asian, you know, that dog of a business in Asia and and, uh, and having a bit more of of an excellent uh, capital management plan. So skip that. But look at the trend that's going on now with regards to the to the cutting dividend thing that is now available. Dividends have been too fat um, in this country for too long. And now that some of these companies are starting to feel the pinch, uh, Telstra feeling the pinch by, you know, how much money they're going to lose from people going over to the NBN. Um, not that it's, Telstra isn't really my strong suit. And Harvey Norman feeling the pinch just by, you know, it just being Harvey Norman and not being a very good uh, company when it comes to doing those things that it does. Um, that's my view. Sorry. But, but there isn't there, isn't there, the, here's the big thing, you know, we, we talk about, I think there's these two conflicting narratives uh, in Australian business. And one is you hear business, so-called business leaders out all the time talking about the need for innovation and we need to take more risks and we need to back ourselves and... Uh, you've got government saying we're determined to give everybody the platform to do this. And yet, when you look at the behavior of companies, at the decisions of boards, particularly on uh, dividends and share buybacks, um, you look at those and they are, instead of holding on to some of that money, which is the decision that Telstra made, um, which I honestly, quite frankly, I applaud it. Um, I think they've made a very ballsy decision. They've taken a um, they've got a bloody nose um, from the market, but it shows you the premium that the market currently attaches to stocks that um, are really generous with returning the profit that they make. Returning uh, the profit, doing a buyback. Uh, at, uh, the, the big dividends dividends and buybacks um, are a fantastic investment reason. In fact, I, I, just at a basic level, without really knowing much about the company, if you told me that a company um, was about to do three things, one, reduce debt, Two, pay out a nice little dividend, and three, put on a buyback. I will buy that company without really knowing what it's doing. And fair enough. Um, which is which is true. Um, case in point was uh, Crown Resorts last year. Um, they sold off some assets and used it to do those three things. Fantastic at that time. Um, the, the 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 attitude now sort of seems to be shifting away from these things. And I I, I will talk about the banks and I'll talk about how their margins are going to start to get hurt, especially if there's some sort of trouble or, or tremor in the housing market. Um, and they're going to have to find a way of being able to keep their margins the same, and it's probably shareholders, or I think potentially it's going to be shareholders that mm-hmm. will be the ones that feel that cut, and they'll feel that they'll feel that through the amount of dividend that is actually being re- returned to them on those things. And maybe there won't be so many buybacks. But you're right; 
they've managed to, to, to get away with the saying we're going to invest and saying we're going to grow and saying, well, saying we need things. to invest and we need to make bold decisions and da da da. Scrap short term incentives that encourage you to go and, and go for a share price growth over actual investment. That'll be a good starting point, just as an observation. There you go. That's yeah. Like- well, uh, the share buybacks, obviously, if you announce a buyback. You know, um, you're likely to see, you know, if it's going to proceed over a couple of months or whatever. It's just mathematics. Hmm. Yep. There's a floor under that stock. Um, It gets bought, it gets absorbed, and there's less stock on hand, and it's it's been, you know, that's that's just the mathematics, just the economics of it. So... Um, but anyway, sorry, you were saying? No, um, uh, look, uh, I just think it's interesting. I think the banks are a bit of a case of their own. Um, Just the, the, the strength and the dominance of the four banks... Um, the, the 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 nature of the deposit guarantee uh, makes them pretty unique creatures in the market. I th- really think the broader business uh, uh, community um, has this thing about you know oh got to get my share price up you know um, or oh, the share price is up you know X percent whatever aren't, aren't we doing great? Well, I, I do think um, I think certainly I am ready to see from Australian businesses some really big bold plans that involve a whole lot of risk and maybe getting marked down by the market so that they can transform their businesses and lay a platform for proper, valuable job creation into the future. When um, that, um, you know, we talk about this, like this um, this dividend, this holding on to um, distributing uh, of dividends, dis- distribution of profit. Um, and we've been talking for years now about the importance of um, CapEx investment across a whole bunch of uh, sectors. We, we were talking about the CapEx earlier on. Seeing that strengthen a uh, bit of CapEx is, is great because it has been so weak for years, mm. um, precisely partly because of this problem, uh, I think. Companies should be encouraged to invest for the future. Uh, we've got a fast-growing uh, population. We've got uh, you know, well, well in excess of a billion people to our north in Asia who are rapidly uh, you know, becoming uh, middle class, who will be looking for you know, services that we can go and present. If companies aren't thinking like that forward-looking to seeing what's coming in that opportunities that we'll present, uh, then quite frankly, you know, they don't deserve to go and have high share prices. You know, if all your merits are based around just simply being able to go and pay out your profits, you know, when, when, when interest rates or something happens and the, uh, the share price does fall, then they've got no one to blame but themselves. And your call sheet suddenly becomes it's the head of Perpetual on line two, and on line three it's, uh, it's the head of the A&P fund. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then you name some other big fund managers who hold your stock as well. And they want to have a word to you about why all of a sudden you've decided to uh, change your plan on uh, that nice healthy dividend that they had factored into their profiles for their clients for every single super fund for the next 20 years. So this is, I, it's, it's, this is what it comes down to, right? Is like our boards willing to start having these conversations uh, with investors and say, look, um, we need to convince you that we need to spend some money here. Yeah. If the super funds aren't on board, then it, then it can't happen. And that's why a lot of, and we've seen this happen, happen globally, not so much locally, that boards are actually now inviting activist shareholders. And not, not really, like, you know, like when, when you say activist shareholders, it's, it's more like just someone that probably wants to have some change in the company. Um, I'm thinking, um, oh, what's his name? Third Point uh, with Nestle. Um, would be would be the, a, a prime example that's happened lately. They invited them in. Okay, we're going to work with you. How do we make this company? How do we how do we go forward? If you want to own five percent of the company, you get it. You're going to have a say. We're not going to battle you. We're not going to try and be stubborn, and we're not going to try and just do it our way and 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 fight you every step of the way because you're going to get guys thrown out. They've got more money than you. So working with them is seems to be the way forward, and, and hopefully our local guys will. We'll see that uh, see that as well, and, and see that as being the way forward, and actually start, you know, bringing in some of the some of the more active shareholders, and, and seeing okay, how can we make this Unlock company a bit more value? That's correct, and also keep people on side too, so not every every AGM doesn't devolve into a <laughs> into a shouting match. Yes. Room, you know, yeah, yeah. Where's my uh, where's my six point two percent crossed up? <laughs> exactly. Yield. Fully franked. Yeah. Exactly. Super funds need that, um, and and those guys. I mean, the yield in your, the yield in your property is. You know that's going through the floor more and more as it, uh, as it comes in. The rental yield that's coming in. What was that stat that I heard that the the rental yield for an average house in Strathfield is lower than the cash rate? Um, Strathfield being a suburb west of Sydney. Uh, that sort of you know that for me and not was, too far west of Sydney, I, I will say. Too. No, a very popular sort of area. That's, that's like barely inner west. You, know, you can go and get to the city within uh, twenty five minutes on the drone. 
Um, that for me, you know, it was just another one of those things. You just go, oh, that sounds like the sort of thing that would be a top of the market if, you know, there was a bell that rang at the top of the market. But mm. how many bells have we heard in the last 10 years that have been that not, sound? Not to divulge too much into the specifics, but uh, Strathfield's got a very strong uh, Chinese demand uh, in particular, uh, which is fueled very, very strong price growth in that particular region, which may explain why rental yields are so low in that location. Hmm. Uh, I must, uh, I will flag for everybody, we are looking into the activity of Chinese investors uh, or the decline, uh, the apparent decline of uh, uh, active um, uh, Chinese investors uh, in the Australian property market. Uh, so you can expect to read about that on Business Insider uh, in the coming weeks. Um, if I can just do one other little bit of uh, uh, self-promotion for us. We have a new product on Business Insider. It's called BI Research. You can find it at research.businessinsider.com. We're looking into broad in industry issues, looking at challenges for the long term, uh, and we're looking across a whole bunch of, uh, of, of uh, areas, uh, including uh, business investment levels. Uh, we're also looking at technology, um, there's a whole bunch of uh, reports uh, from our U.S. partners at Business Insider Intelligence, uh, which is a, a very expensive C-level uh, 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 research service. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that you can access on there, and all you've got to do is uh, register at uh, research.businessinsider.com.au. Very quickly, the cricket. Just speaking of, before we get to the cricket, yes. I have been receiving those emails for the, for the research this week. There has been at least one thing that I have, that I have clicked on. That I've wanted to click on, and I've and I've really found it fantastic. So I, I encourage anyone who's listening go in and register and, and receive the emails. You will find something there that's worth clicking on. Oh, that's uh, very nice to hear. Thank you, thank you very much, James. Oh, by the way, uh, I did while we were on the air and we were in the middle of other things. I looked up the short position reporting. <laughs> um, Harvey Norman is ten percent. Ten percent. Ten percent. Ten percent. No, ten percent of the whole thing. It's a yeah, free ten percent. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Ten percent. Free float. Different story. Of, yep. Yeah, of product on issue was three seven. Was three point seven yeah, right. a couple of months ago. Uh, Domino's is up there to Meyer fifteen sixteen percent. Uh, um, All of my favourites. Yes, yeah, uh, Cobra, who um, I think um, looks like there's a short squeeze on today. That's a lithium. They, that's a lithium plus short yeah, squeeze. Right. Yeah. So nineteen. Percent, uh, they went bonkers today. Um, so it looks like a few so, people yeah, are blowing up. So the short interest might be that high tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I wonder how many of the days to cover were. Um, anyway, so um, yeah, look. Um, so just chucking that one in there uh, quickly on the cricket. Um, are we looking forward to the Ashes, guys? Uh, different, different kettle of fish when you play uh, play the palms down here and uh, fast, uh, bouncy wickets and whatnot. Um, look, I think a lot of the uh, the bowlers did all right uh, over in the Test match uh, against Bangladesh. Um, batsmen, a few uh, shots uh, that I'm sure if they could go and uh, have their time again, they probably wouldn't have played them. But you know, it's always a learning experience. We've got a fairly young side still. Um, and look, we can only improve from our performance. And look, not to uh, discredit, uh, Bangladesh played extremely well, and congratulations to them for uh, being us for the first time. That's that's it. I mean, Bangladesh, Bangladesh being paid. How much does how much does Warner get paid after that that renegotiation? Think about half of their national GDP. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So I mean, he he could have he could have just bought the team on the last day and just and just asked them all to retire. The the, the I mean, it just shows you that uh, you know, just because you get wage growth doesn't mean you're going to get any uh, any sort of stimulation out of that. The uh, the uh, I'm just glad that there is going to be an Ashes and they've and they've resolved the uh, the, the the players' dispute. Hmm. Anyway, um, so and then look, uh, let's uh, quickly talk. The other thing, I went to see uh, the Swans play uh, last weekend. It was great. Um, they're a very very good looking team now. Um, how do you think uh, final seasons go? And uh, Dave, you're a massive Swans fan, hey? I am, and so is uh, Jimmy as well. Um, oh, look, they've played exceptionally well. They're the, uh, the hot team of the comp in the second half of the season. There's uh, no disputing that, and I think even the, uh, the staunchest of Melbourne and, uh, and interstate teams would go and say that. Um, but as I've seen uh, you know, only last year, the finals can go and offer up a big uh, bunch of surprises. Uh, Doggies last year came from seventh on the table to go and win, so it's anyone's game. I think anyone in the top eight uh, legitimately can go and win at this point in time. Yeah, it seems like a, seems like a good draw that favours um, that sort of behaviour as well. Some absolutely cracking games to, to kick off everything. Adelaide, GWS, 
Port versus West Coast. Uh, Swanee's have got Essendon at home, which is going to be a, a barn burner. But the absolute one to, to make sure that you, you steal yourself away and watch is going to be Geelong versus Richmond. That's at the MCG. They would be able to sell that out three times over if mm. they wanted to, and that's going to be that's going to be an absolute cracker. I've put my bracket together. Um, it's probably going to be blown up within the first ten minutes of, of the weekend. <laughs> uh, but I do see Sydney Swans. Since Hawthorne aren't in the finals, Sydney Swans will win. Um, you can take that one to the bank. That's the only recommendation I'm giving today. When we get around to our Christmas special, we'll be looking back on whether that was among the best and worst calls of the year. Uh, our guest on the show uh, this week, uh, James Whelan, uh, I think uh, we're heading into September, talking about the footy finals. It's all very exciting. The birds are singing earlier in the morning. Uh, the sun's starting to get out a bit, a little bit later. It's going to be... Uh, it's a beautiful warm, warm weekend. Um, so uh, I think 26 degrees on Saturday. It's exciting times uh, uh, in Australia. So uh, and uh, great to have James uh, on the show again to talk about um, you know a little bit of what's been happening this week and what we've got to look forward to ahead. Yeah, always great to be here, Paul. Thank you so much. And we'll have you back on for the end of your special. Uh, and as always uh, on the show, David Scott. Uh, Dave, thanks very much for walking us through, particularly on that CapEx stuff. It's a hugely complex release and uh, always great to get your insights on it. No, that's fine. And uh, I look forward to uh, speaking to everyone next week. I think you're away. Is that right, Paul? That's right. I am going for a family holiday and I can't wait. Um, but uh, you have some excellent guests. Yes. Uh, so Tapper Strickland from the NAB and, uh, and Stephen Kukoulos will be uh, joining me. So we'll have a, a shindig about everything economic and uh, we'll get into a few touchy subjects. No doubt they'll, they'll involve the Aussie dollar house prices in RBA monetary policy, among other things. I can imagine, and certainly uh, the kooks, plenty of value on there. Uh, okay, you've been listening to the Devils in Details podcast from Business Insider Australia. You can find us on the web at businessinsider.com.au. We're on Twitter at B-I-A-U-S. Uh, I've been here with David Scott at James Whelan from VFS Group. Uh, and I'm Paul Colgan. You can find us uh, individually on Twitter too. The show is produced by Rick Salter and we'll catch you soon. episode was delivered by Australia Post. They put everything behind your business, helping you save time and money. And with My Post Business, you can save at least 10% when you send on average five eligible parcels a week. Get more info and see the terms and conditions at auspost.com.au slash podcast. That's auspost.com.au slash podcast.